All right, good to see you today. It's our Thursday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. Glad you're joining us. Uh, Today we're uh, finishing up the book of Exodus, so we're going to be in chapter 34 uh, all the way to 40. So just read through. Um, Honestly, once you get past uh, chapter 34, once you get into 35, it's basically a repeat of what we've already read. Uh, so if you need to skip a little bit, this is probably one that maybe you could find forgiveness on. I'm not sure, but, but you probably could. So we're going to be in uh, 34, uh, finishing up. All right. So last time we looked at the scene of the golden calf and, and how, I mean, there's some really difficult things in there, um, but we were reminded uh, of of who God is, of the importance of following Him, of remaining committed to Him, uh, and and again, we don't don't take what happened at the as the golden calf is okay. Well, th- this is the way that God always works to those who disobey Him. That's not it. This was this was a moment in history that was very important, and a, we can uh, gain some insight from it. But to say, oh, well, that's, I, I can't follow that God because if I mess up, he's going to slay me. That's, that's not exactly what it's saying here, but it does say that it's important to follow God. If you're going to follow God, do what he says, right? I think that is, is important. So now we get to the, uh, chapter 34, and the Lord tells Moses, all right, I've got to write down on uh, all this down again because you broke the, the tablets. And so God uh, writes down everything uh, again. And we have one of the just really beautiful passages, starting in verse 4, uh, just to kind of give some context. It says, So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first one and went up uh, to Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. Then the Lord came down in a cloud, stood there with him, and proclaimed, his name, the Lord, as he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, this is so important, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave guilty. The un, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the father to the third and the fourth generation. Right? So you have this wonderful picture of, of the character of God, of who God is, and uh, from, coming from God himself. And so we see that God is compassionate. Uh, that's uh, that God, uh, his feeling towards humanity, it, it kind of is like a mother towards her child, right? The, the, the word that is translated there comes from the Hebrew word for womb. Um, it has that, that idea behind it that God created us. And, uh, and just like a, a mom has that feeling for her child, God has that compassionate feeling for us, that God is gracious, Right? That, that He is a God who is, will give grace, and He is gracious to us. He, he desires to bestow blessings upon us. Right? That He is slow to anger. Again, <laughs> doesn't mean um, 
Doesn't mean that uh, there's not reasons for God to get angry, and there's not times that God will get angry, but He is slow to anger. Uh, it takes a great deal to anger Him. So this isn't necessarily taking uh, talking about time frame. Um, it's talking about the severity of what it takes to truly anger God, uh, and He is not in a permanent state of anger. Right? That's God is not this angry God. He is slow to anger. Um, he gives us time to repent. He gives people time to change. Also says abounding in kindness. That, that word for kindness is hesed. Uh, it's translated as kindness. It's, a, it's really it's an extraordinary kindness. It's above and beyond the call of duty, if you will. Um, it, it's a, it's, a, it's a loving kindness, um, that, that that is who God is. Uh, abounding in faithfulness. Uh, the word there for faithfulness means truth, that God is true to His Word, true to His promises, true to His standards, that, that God is a God of truth. That is obviously important for us today, to what is true, and, and recognizing that, that that is who God is, that God is a God of truth. He is faithful. Um, it says extending kindness to the thousandth generation, right? that that is his desire. Uh, he's forgiving sin and then yet not clearing the guilty. And, and again, this is where we need to be able to have an, an honest kind of discussion, an honest understanding of who God is. God is all of these things, and, and no one would be against this God that has been described right now, right? Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, uh, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin, right? That's a, okay, yeah, I can handle that. That's a, that's a wonderful God. Um, and it's important for us to, to grasp that aspect of God that He is those things, right? that He gives us time to repent, that He desires for us to repent, He desires for us to live the life that He has called us to live. Yet, yet, God is, does not leave the guilty unpunished. Right? What is that saying? That means that God is a God of justice, that justice will come, that that matters to God. You know, and, and you know, I've, some of the arguments against God are that people don't like the harshness uh, that God speaks to, uh, to, to sinfulness, he's, that He speaks to evil actions, right? That we, we like the loving God. We'd rather just be kind to everyone. But God also recognizes that there is evil in the world and that He will hold those accountable who do not repent, who do not turn, who do not strive to live their life for good, for following His, uh, his commands. That is a God that I want. Because you know what? I, I, I see the world and I see lots of injustice out there. I see injustice all around us. Right? And ways that we are never going to be able to fix it. Right? We, we have a a decent justice system many times. But then there's times that it is not at all. 
Why? Because we are humans and we will never be able to deal out justice perfectly. We should strive to always do better, but we'll never be perfect. And there will be people who will be able to work the system and will be able to escape justice. And guess what? I, I think justice should come for everyone. And it does with God. That justice ultimately will find all of us. And that is a God whom I desire to serve even though it's uncomfortable, and even though it means that I want to make sure I'm on the right side of that, that I repent, that I live my life the way that God has called me to live, even though that's hard and I struggle. But then I have to remember, wait, he is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He is forgiving. But I I don't want a weak God who is not going to delve out justice. And that is the God that we, we have pictured here from his own words. And, and then we, we have this phrase, and I'm not going to skip over it. It says, he will punish the guilty. He punishes the children and the children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation. That's been mentioned before. That's, there's kind of a poetic nature to this of, it, of talking about the impacts of sin, of how sin continues to impact from generation to generation to generation. Um, it's not that God is specifically punishing children for what their parents do. Uh, but there's also a, an, an obvious truth here that if that, that parents, if they are sinful in the way that they live, guess what they pass on to their children? A sinful way of living. Right? So just as God will punish the parents for their sinful way of life, if the children follow in the parents' footsteps, they will too be, uh, be punished uh, and, and uh, receive God's justice. So, so we see that, again, it's, it's emphasizing the uh, severity of sin and how it encompasses all generations, um, and that, that God will be uh, a God of justice, um, who the guilty will not go unpunished, um, and God is also a gracious and a loving and a slow to anger, uh, and a loyally loyal, faithful God uh, that loves us and that cares for us and that is compassionate to us. Both of those things are true. As we continue on in, in uh, chapter 34, uh, God again reiterates, do not worship any other God for the, uh, for the Lord whose name is uh, Jealous is a jealous God. Right? This is important for us if we are going to believe in this in this god the creator of the universe he is all that we follow right nothing else supersedes that and that's something we always need to be looking at in our life making sure that we are following him and then it goes on and it kind of has this interesting you'll see it there in uh, chapter 34 encourage you to continue reading that um that moses his face becomes radiant because he's been in the presence of God, um, right? And the people can, can't even look at Moses, that, that the glory of God has, has changed Moses' appearance. And when the people get a glimpse of that glory, it terrifies them, right? That, and and I, I love the image here that the glory of God, the holiness of God is something that we can't even imagine, 
but that as we experience it, that we start to reflect some of that glory, to reflect that holiness in the world around us. And there are those who don't want to see that. They, they don't want to get a glimpse of that. They don't want to be reminded of God's gloriness, of God's holiness, because then it reminds them of how far away they feel from God. Right? Even though all they have to do is repent and turn to Him, and they can experience His holiness and His glory, glory as well. So it goes on, uh, uh, chapter 35, uh, all the way through um, chapter, really up to um, through chapter 40, um, is basically a repeat. Uh, it goes from, from what God told Moses already about the tabernacle, about the priestly system, about how the priest can interact uh, with God, and it, it goes through that again, which again reiterates the important aspect of this, of, of, the, of how the people are going to relate to God and that He cares about their heart and them choosing to relate to Him. And uh, I love chapter 40. Uh, it talk, talks about the, uh, the tabernacle, um, and the, the tabernacle is the place where God's presence dwells. Uh, and it uh, continues on the last few verses uh, ends with the glory of God, uh, of how the glory of God fills the tent of meeting, uh, of, uh, of meeting there in the tabernacle. And when uh, God is there, no one else can be be in the in in the tent of meeting. So you have this wonderful picture again of the glory of God um, being literally present with the people. And now He is going to start moving. And when He when the when He moves. The people pack up the tabernacle and they begin moving. And so now they're starting their trek, their journey, if you will, to the land that God has called them to, the land that God called Abraham to, right? And they are following the glory of God. Um, Exodus ends the really powerful image of the glory of God. And the glory of God is reflected all through the book of Exodus with the power of uh, of parting the Red Sea, the power of the miracles, the power of forgiveness, the power of love, that God's glory is not to be questioned. And so this is going to bring us to an end of, uh, of Exodus. Uh, we'll pick back up. Uh, if you want to go ahead and start reading a few chapters in, in Leviticus, you can read uh, before, but we are going to kind of stay chronological, so we're, we'll probably uh, sprinkle in some other, other chapters uh, as well. Uh, but uh, the, the path is now set, right? The people are moving and they're, they're going to begin the process of going back to the promised land. And we're going to continue to see this great adventure that the people are now on as God is calling them to be His people and to be a, a messenger for Him to the world around them. All right, hope you have a wonderful weekend and we will see you on Tuesday.